Um, a lot of these microbreweries tasting is free. So same with the wine tasting as well. They don't actually charge you. Not guaranteeing it, but you'll normally see some friendly seals will come up and um, will pop their heads out and say hello when you're walking around. That was amazing consumer advice there from Jane and Matthew. And this is episode number eight of the Travel Podcast. And today we pack a huge amount into this episode as we head off to Western Canada in search of whale watching, wine tasting, ice hockey playing, and some of the best summertime tourist attractions you can possibly go to and be warned you'll probably tell at the start of this episode both Matthew and I think this is one of our favourite destinations in the world for skiing you're listening to the travel podcast travel podcast today's most exciting travel destinations brought to you by people with a real passion for travel great holiday ideas real reviews practical advice and all the best deals in one simple podcast the travel podcast now here is your host steve witt everyone and welcome to the travel podcast where we aim to inspire you with some brilliant news views and behind the scenes look at some of the most amazing destinations in the world i'm steve witt co-founder of one of the uk's biggest and best travel companies and as always i'm joined by our rotating team of travel experts they all work in travel and they all love to travel and most importantly they're passionate about traveling the world so today i'm joined by both matthew and jules welcome guys Hello. And today we have what I think is probably one of our most exciting uh, podcasts to date. Now, over the past episodes, we've been lucky enough to travel the world. Uh, We've been to places like Lapland, Vegas, we've trekked, uh, we've been to all sorts of great places. And myself, I've been lucky enough to travel the world. But today, when Matthew told me where we were going, I was super excited because this is actually one of my favourite places in the world, somewhere I actually feel quite at home. So, Matthew, before you introduce our guest for today, where are we going? We're heading off to Western Canada uh, today. So, again, I, it's a place that I've been very fortunate to to go a few times myself and absolutely love it, love the people, love the destination. And we our guest today is uh, Jane from Canadian Affair, or as, as uh, I affectionately call her, Lady Jane. A uh, very good friend of the show as well, um, who has unbelievable knowledge of uh, Canada as a whole, but especially with Western Canada. So, Jane, can you just give us a bit of a background about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my love affair with Canada started back in um, 2004. I was very fortunate enough that I accepted a position at um, Destination British Columbia, which is the tourist board. And I was based here in the UK. So I used to travel to Canada up to three times a year, mostly um, around British Columbia and also our neighbouring province, Alberta. So I've got some amazing memories that certainly going to last a lifetime. And it's also nice to share those experiences um, with you all today. No, thank you very much. And I think, like, like you said, for those who may not know Canada that ver- that well geographically, um, Western Canada really is considered uh, British Columbia and Alberta. So I know you've obviously got, like you mentioned, such great knowledge and experience of being out in British Columbia, especially, but also the sister in province of Alberta so would you be able to just give us a quick overview of Western Canada in five minutes it can be a bit longer I know you love to talk (laughs) I will try and give it down to five minutes so 
just overall, Canada is the world's second largest com- um, country, and it's 41 times the size of the UK. So when we're talking about Canada's West, it's also referred to as Western Canada or Canada's West, which is British Columbia and Alberta. And the majority of British people would travel to those provinces first. So Canada's not just a destination you go to just once. It's so vast people will go back. Um, the big draw for Canada's West is by far obviously is the Rockies. Is that bucket list um, experience. And there's many ways to travel around. Um, so just starting from, departing from the UK, you have British Airways and Air Canada that offer year-round flights from London Heathrow. And then you have WestJet service from London Gatwick. But you've also got regional flights that are offered by KLM and Aer Lingus from other UK airports. Um, so you do have a wealth of choice of airlines from different airports. And you're looking at a travel time about nine hours to Western Canada. And the majority of people might fly into Alberta, like Calgary, which is their international airport, and fly out of Vancouver and British Columbia. So people touring, they tend to travel over by car, motorhome, rail, escorted touring. Um, and they are, motorhome and fly drives are the most popular because it gives people that more freedom of what they want to um, see and do. Um, just travelling around the province, the scenery changes very dramatically. So you don't feel like you're in the same um, country, in fact. You know, you can go to parts of British Columbia, which is desert, um, which you would never have thought that possible. You can be in bear country and see so much um, wildlife. And the next day you can be in the ranch lands where it's very green and very flat. So touring around these provinces are very popular. And the maximum length of stay tends to be anything between 14 and 17 nights. Um, the seasons as well change. I mean, for example, I was in Alberta last year and we were in Banff in September, beautiful sunshine weather. It was very much wearing your jeans and your T-shirt. Then we went to Lake Louise and we enjoyed the first day of snowfall. Um, Travelling up the Icefield Parkways to Jasper, we, we kind of encountered every type of weather possible in one day. Um, so it's very important for people when they are travelling to Western Canada is layers is very key. Um, once you're in the tier of British Columbia, it can be very, very warm. But once you get to the Pacific, it could be a bit wetter. So preparation is always, you know, making sure you pack those layers, a good fleece, a good rain mac, um, because you're going to encounter all seasons during your trip. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for a little bit of a highlight there. And obviously, like Steve had mentioned earlier, um, both himself and, and myself have visited uh, Western Canada, both Alberta and British Columbia. My most recent trip was a ski trip to British Columbia. Um, very fortunate. Obviously, Jane, you also joined me on that trip. So we're just going to go into now to exploring our own experiences and also highlight some of the great things the destination can offer. Um, and like I said, my one is skiing and I absolutely love Canada for skiing over over Europe um, just because of the guaranteed snowfall. Um, one of the things that I was blown away with when we went to Banff, uh, when I went to Banff a couple of years ago, was actually the food and the quality of food. And it was the same in British Columbia. When you're up in the mountain, there's such a variation of types of food you can get and the quality versus you can in certain resorts in Europe get, again, some great food, but... A lot of times when you're up the mountain, it's very samey. So one of the things I think 
really was a massive highlight for me was was the food, which is something that I wouldn't really normally typify as a a ski resort highlight. Um, I don't know what you felt because I know Stevie came with me. You were with me in Banff. Um, don't know how you felt about that. Um, it was one of those weird things because it's such a different experience skiing in Canada to to Europe, and I loved it. I have to say, I absolutely loved it. But it's so different. Um, and you're right, the food is out of this world. Um, skiing for me in, in Canada, first thing that struck me was um, the snow is very different, which sounds a very weird thing to say, doesn't it? But it is totally <laughs> different s- snow. Um, it's more like skiing in caster sugar. Um, so that was really weird, really nice. Um, also, the the resorts are very, very different. And I think we went in a busy time uh, to Banff skiing. And... Um, it was so quiet, wasn't it? It was like, there was no queues. There was, uh, you know, the, the ski slopes were so quiet in comparison to Europe. Um, really long runs, really wide, really picturesque, far more picturesque in Europe. Nothing against Europe. I love skiing in Europe, but, you know, um, I think skiing in Banff was one of my favourites. I know, I totally agree in the how clear the slopes were compared to in Europe. In peak season, we were going in March around Easter time, in Europe, be absolutely rammed. Um, whereas in Canada, the slopes are very open. But then it's also uh, that the winter, in especially during the week in Canadian ski resorts, or even North American ski resorts in general, aren't as busy as they are in the summer. Like the, the destinations in the summer, the mountains in the summer in North America are ridiculously busy. It's like they're that, the most popular season, especially with Banff and Jasper. Um, with what... I know Janie mentioned the um, Icefield Parkway road between Banff and Jasper where a lot of people will go on uh, in the summertime to go and see the Icefield. So I think that is a massive highlight of skiing in North America, especially uh, Banff and BC is how clear the slopes are, especially if you've got family, I think. I think there's just so much more train and that, you know, it has such a longer season. That's why it's not so busy where Europe has a shorter season. So where it's condensed um, and the snowfall, you know, usually you only get good snowfall for two or three months. So there's more of an urge to get there. Whereas Canada, the ski resorts open um, officially in December and don't close some of them to May time like Banff and Whistler. So um, that's the beauty of it. So you get good quality skiing. Yes, you're travelling further, but you're getting the quality while you're, while you're there. And what you said, Steve, about the caster sugar snow, you've got powder snow, you've got fluffy snow, you've got wet snow, um, you've got what I call popcorn snow. There's so much different types of snow um, because the weather changes um, because Canada's so big. So that's the beauty of it. Once someone's been to ski in Canada once, they do tend to go back um, because they've just got, they can have a decent week skin and also tie in with a city break as well or a trip, you know, to Hawaii, do a beach and ski holiday. I found skiing in, in Canada far more relaxing as well. None of that sort of pushing and shoving and the resorts, certainly in Banff, um, you, you have like a hub base uh, where you've got your restaurants and everything, but then you, you go up on the mountains and it's just so quiet and clear, but none of the stress associated with skiing and yeah. um, in, in France, where I was a couple of weeks ago, for example. Yeah, I found that too. I've 
I've been fortunate. I have also skied in France, and I, I just think for me, because I learned to ski in British Columbia, and I was very lucky to go every year, um, I just got used to the small ski classes as well. It's like six or less. Um, you have super group lessons at three or less. My partner and I, we used to travel to British Columbia every year just after New Year, and we used to book a ski lesson, and it would just be us us two with the ski instructor because it was after new year people gone back to work so during the week it was just so quiet and it's just a great time for people that have never skied and what an amazing place to learn as you said it's very quiet it's very peaceful it's relaxing um a lot of ski lessons in some resorts they start about 10 or half 10 which is a nice time. So you get all the skiers that want to be up on that first lift at half past eight or nine o'clock in the morning. Um, and a lot of the beginners areas aren't at the bottom of the mountain as well. So you actually go up a gondola, which is really nice. So for, for a beginner, you get to see more of the mountain and there's a big learning zone. So you're not skiing at the bottom. Um, people skiing in groups with different villages um abilities there's always an easy option down so you can all go up the chairlift together and you can take whichever run you wish and then you can all meet up again um so you're not really skiing on your own and that's how all the resorts have been decided um designed so people can ski together but take different runs down depending on their ability and we know it does depend on where you go skiing like banff um Banff is a town, but you don't ski in Banff itself. You, you, you have to go and get a shuttle bus to go to one of the sort of ski slopes, which when I was told that, I was thinking, oh, that's a bit of a faff. But the reality was it was great. It didn't bother me at all once we got there. And because you were going to these very, very different slopes and resorts each day, it was a fantastic experience. And you have that in also in France, don't you? You can ski into other areas. Yeah. Um, and you have that base. Jasper's the same. It's like half an hour from Jasper Town Centre, Marmite, and it's one of probably the best places to ski in Alberta. There are a lot of ski and ski out resorts as well um, over the border in BC. So you can just ski out from your hotel or chalet and you're straight on the mountain. But as you said, Banff offers so much terrain. Um, and it's very popular with families because it's just a short two-hour transfer from Calgary International to Banff, which is ideal for families. And in Banff Town, you're right in the National Park, you've got so many restaurants, so many choices to eat, um, so many non-ski activities as well, not far, just um, just outside Banff in Camel. So it is perfect for families. It's very, very popular. Now, I know when Matthew and I went to Banff, there was a group of 40 of us, I think it was. So it was a great trip. And I was amazed that half of the group did not want to go skiing. And I was a bit worried that they weren't going to have anything to do. And like you just said, Jane, um, there's actually an abundance of things to do, wasn't there? Um, I know, Matthew, what were some of the things that people were doing? Snowshoeing, uh, we went skidooing. We went, uh, some of the group, we went uh, a couple of months ago, well, we went this year in in March, went skidooing and, and snowshoeing as well. You've also got husky rides. Then go and do ice um, ice walks in Banff, some of them went to do. Uh, we did zip lining in Whistler in, in the winter, so you're going between two valleys and the snow all around you, so that was stunning. Uh, very, yeah, a great, great um, experience. I can imagine it'd be bit more hair raising if it was snowing at the same time um <laughs> yeah this i think it's like you mentioned especially with banff where 
in the summertime, that is their main season. They have so much to do activity-wise. In the winter, they just have learned how to then move that into the winter. So if you want to do running, you're now doing cross-country skiing on the on the same tracks or you're going out with the skidoos or um you can go on they got some uh some of the peace bashers which they then retrofit to take passengers who don't ski so they can take you up the mountain to go in a, in a snowshoe somewhere where no one can ski um unless you're hiking in, into the back um back country so i think it's just they've got it spot on um in, in Europe, the difference, they don't really have as much going on because the little villages was just focused purely on skiing, and that's the main reason why people go there. And you also and have this... To, yeah, sorry. Sorry, someone that's not been um, to Western Canada, I was just wondering how it... you comparing sort of the two ski resorts, you know, the European ski and, and the Canadian ski. What What's the sort of price difference when you're actually, you know, in terms of lift passes and that sort of thing? Is it comparable? To be, I will be completely. Oh, Travelling to Canada will be a bit bit more expensive than Europe. We're so close to Europe; um, it's so easy for us to get there. Um, but one myth people have: when you ski in Europe, people tend to buy their lift tickets, their ski lessons, their rentals while they're in resort because it's just one price. Whether you buy it through your through your not just travel agent or you buy a resort, it's one price. With Canada, it's different. You actually, we get discounted prices for the lift ticket, the rentals. Um, so it's actually cheaper to book it through with your not just travel agent um, to take advantage. Now, there's some really, always really good offers. So if someone's looking to travel to Canada for the forthcoming winter season, I say book it before August because that's when you take advantage of the really good deals that are in place. Um, and that would be travelling with Air Canada. So the resorts do. Um, I've been many times for 10 nights and I've only paid for seven. So I've only paid for seven nights accommodation, seven night lift tickets, seven nights ski hire, seven days um, ski lessons as well. Um, we're always so always speak to your not just travel agent when you are thinking about because they'll know the best time to book so you can take advantage of the really good offers in place you're not going to get those offers if you go and book it yourself you know we really um canada really work with the travel trade because canada's so fast we want to make sure when you do go we're we're making sure we're booking the right ski resort for you um that has the needs that you need for your trip Brilliant. So as well as Banff and the skiing um, and Alberta that you've mentioned, what other areas of Western Canada would you recommend for um, a newbie to Western Canada? Oh, for a newbie, my favourite is Fernie, um, which is in British Columbia. So it's like a four-hour transfer from Calgary. Um, so for me, this is where, when I was learning to ski, this is where it all came together. But it's a ski-on-ski-out um, resort. It has four big open bowls. It's great for all levels. Really lovely green, um, Steve was saying, those really nice wide runs. But you go there, it's much quieter. You have a local town that's 15 minutes away, and there's a shuttle bus that takes you there, which is a um, really cute Canadian um, town. But what I like about Fernie, it's ideal for any level of skier. You can actually um, ski there backcountry, um, which is very 
Poplar, you see the helicopters in the morning that drop the dynamite to do controlled avalanches. But just the property, the accommodation you have in Fernie, you've got the condos, which have your fully equipped kitchen, you've got your washing machine, your dishwasher, so it's ideal for families. And you've also um, got more of your hotel rooms, all have hot tubs. So that's one of my favourites um, for first time because there's so much terrain and it's so nice and quiet. Another popular one is Big White, which is in the Okahagan Valley. That will include an internal flight, so from um, Calgary to Kelowna, which takes about 40 minutes. And um, Big White has won so many awards for their kids' programme. So there's lots of kids' um, activities in the evening, so it gives mum and dad a bit of a break. And you know your children can go off and do these activities and you don't need to be with them. There's staff there that are trained. Um, and all the accommodation there is that condo style. The most popular in British Columbia will be Whistler, um, which hosted the 2010 um, Winter Games. So you still see the rings are still there, and um, which is amazing. But there's... In total, 13 ski resorts in British Columbia. So you really are spoilt for choice. Um, we all have our favourites, um, but it's really understanding from your clients what type of skiing that they want to do, how long they want to ski for. If they're travelling with children, you also have to bear in time the travel time to get there as well. Brilliant. So um, there's obviously lots of skiing that we can do there. Um, in terms of other other places to go and visit and other activities to to enjoy, what else would you recommend in, in uh, Western Canada? If people, if we're still talking about more like the winter, I would really encourage people to think about doing twin centre holidays. Um, you know, Vancouver's not far from Vegas, Hawaii. Um, honeymooners um, that like to ski we see a lot of um, seeing more of a demand they'll come over do a ski a honeymoon and then maybe go off to Hawaii or go down to Vegas another option is to be on the west coast of Vancouver Island um, in February you get big storms come in so it's very popular for like four days R&R so if you've done a bit of a ski honeymoon you can go there you could be on one of those beachside um, properties watching the storms come in um, that's very popular too so just think you know with Vancouver where it's positioned right on the west coast of um, Canada you know going south you've got Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles um, you can incorporate it and do a twin centre quite easily one of the things I did, for, I think the first time I ever went to Canada, I actually did a day trip to Canada from Seattle. I was uh, on a work mm-hmm. trip to Seattle. And so I took the high-speed catamaran across uh, to Vancouver Island and an amazing day trip. So that was great. But obviously you can do it in reverse. So if you're in Canada, pop down to Seattle. And if you're a geek, you'll love Seattle because it's home of all the uh, big IT companies, your uh, Microsoft, people like that. Um, but it's, that's a great city to go to. But there's so many things to do. You can take the flying boats as well um, down to uh, Seattle. That's a great experience. What's a flying boat, Steve? Well, a um, seaplane, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think Seattle is um, it's another gateway as well to Western Canada. Um, so it's always worth people that want to, as you said, Steve, want to go to spend a couple of days in Seattle. And you can either get the Amtrak train up to Vancouver 
or fly on the, you know, you've got the Victoria Clipper, or you can um, float plane as well. There's so many different options. And Vancouver Island itself, you know, it's the size of England. Um, Going over to the west coast of Fino, New Clulet, um, great place to see um, mink whales in March and April time. Um, You can see the black bears from May time, just wandering along the coastline. So there's lots of things to do. Have you been to Tofino? I have, yes. One of my most most favourite places in the world. Um, It it may sound strange. I don't like sand. I'm not like a beach (laughs) person. But what I loved about um, Tofino, you can walk for miles along the coastline. The sand's very flat. So when you walk, it doesn't like kick back on you. So, um, so that's why it's the only place I like where it has sand. Um, you see the rocks as well, um, big rocks, and the water surrounding it. You can just walk for miles. Um, it was Twilight. The films filmed there as well, so they oh, did a lot of scenes. Never knew that. So I, I went. I was staying in on Vancouver Island down in Victoria. Did a couple of days up in um, stayed in Parksville on the way up which is like the sunshine coast for the Canadians, apparently. And then Tofino for a couple of days. Stayed in a log cabin right on the beach, sort of place where you chop your own wood. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was a bit of a surreal experience. It was Easter time. um, And so we were wrapped up, log fires type things. And then families from Canada would come across and go swimming in the sea in their wetsuits or dry suits, probably. Um, Yeah. Just like a cool thing to do. Surfer's paradise. Um, the one of the, oh, yeah, such a cool oh, place. Oh, most to definitely, yeah. And you have to, you know, if you're thinking of including Tofino, you include it in your itinerary, you need to book early because you don't have a wealth of accommodation there. That's the beauty of it because they don't want to um, make it mass market. So there isn't that many properties to stay. Um, so it's always September's very busy time um, for people to go, but it's not packed. You know, when we say busy time, it's not like you're walking down the street and there's hundreds of people coming towards you. Um, People go off and do hiking, which is very popular there. And as you go out on the boats and you can see the whales and the bears, which is such a unique experience. So definitely, you know, you need at least three nights stay if you're going over to Western Canada and Western Vancouver Island for sure. Definitely. And the whale watching is unbelievable. It's one of the coldest things I've ever done, but one of the the best things. (laughs) Yeah, but you see more types of whale sea when you're in Tofino. Yeah. Um, so that's the beauty of it. It's worth um, getting all laid out, isn't it, to go out on the boats for about three hours to see. If you get a chance to see mink and grey whales, um, it's just such a highlight. You know, not many people get to see them. So. And you, you spoke about fly drives. I mean, we drove a lot while we were there because it's really the only way to get around. But it's so easy driving. We hired a, I think a VW Beetle and we just drove around. And it's so easy. The, the roads are so wide. Um, everyone's so laid back. Uh, you're driving for hours and hours. And quite literally, we stayed in Parksville overnight on the way up. Um, great hotel. Uh, and we thought we'd get up in the morning, beat rush hour. Silly thing to do because there isn't really a rush hour. But um, <laughs> thought we'd drive up. We, we were driving up to, I think, Hornby Island to go sightseeing. Um, one of the islands there, which is a great thing to do. But I thought, beat rush out, we'll grab a coffee somewhere on route. Don't ever make that mistake driving around Canada. Um, <laughs> literally, we drove for four hours and didn't see anything, as in no shops, no no nothing. So grab your coffee before you go. That's the tip. tip. 
It always is. And um, I always say people that if they are doing a fly drive, do pick up one of the British Columbia maps and also birds maps. You can find them when you arrive at the airport. There's always an information desk, so pick them up. Um, the maps are very clearly signed. So where it's yellow, that's a main road. Don't go off a main road unless you know where you are heading towards. Um, I've I've been haven't officially got lost, but once we decided we'll take a shortcut and we ended up three hours away from where we needed to be. Um, so yeah, the key is always stick to the main roads and they're well signposted. But yeah, always pick up your coffee before you leave in the morning. That's always a good now, a good tip. I could talk for hours just about Vancouver or Vancouver Island. Amazing place to go. I'm just going to tell a quick story about the people of Canada. Um, now, people of Canada are possibly the friendliest people on earth, I think. Um, and div- until you've experienced it, it's difficult to describe. But we stayed in this hotel in Parksville. Loved the bottle of wine we had for dinner one night. Didn't make a n- uh, note of it. Got up in the morning, went to uh, the wine shop to get some wine to take to our log cabin. Thought we'd buy the wine we had for dinner. Couldn't remember what it was. While we were looking at the shelves, the person in the shop asked us what we were looking for. We said, well, we had this wine the other night. Can't remember what it is. They went away, phoned the hotel, tried to find out for us. The maitre d' who was serving was at home in bed. They rang him at home. Found out what it was, found out they don't have it in stock, so rang around every other wine store in the area to find out where we could get that wine from. That's the level of customer service they go to. I mean, I just think they're jammy. They know (laughs) that they live in such a wonderful country. You know, they grow their own fruit, wine. Um, The food is all produced locally. Um, Wines, there's over 200 wineries in British Columbia in a 12-mile stretch. I mean, what's there not to love? And there's also the microbreweries. So this is, if you like your wine, you like your beer and your ales, it's a great holiday that you get to example them all. Um, And I would say make sure you have room in your suitcase to bring wine back because it's very hard to buy Canadian wine back in the UK purely because most of it gets consumed. Um, so there's not enough to export over to the UK. Um, so while you're there, please don't try your normally French or your New Zealand wine you normally have at home. Always try local wine. Um, my favourite is a Pinot Gris. It's Barry now, Pinot Gris. Um, so anytime I have colleagues going over to Canada, I always ask them to pick me up a couple of bottles. Um, so, Jane, you mentioned microbreweries. Now, th- this... I've experienced of this in um, Victoria, and there are lots, aren't there? And they do these great. Uh, if you go to them, they normally do these little, like I forget exactly what we call them, like tasters. So a sort of a little platter of taster yeah. of the beers. Um, great thing to do. Lots. You, you go around and choose like three or four different tasters um, in each. What there is a name for them, isn't there? It's a float. Float. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so we um, we were just on our ski trip. We were in Steamworks, which has a microbrewery on site. Yep. So uh, Matthew and many of the, not just travel agents, um, certainly sampled a few um, while we were there. But it is a good way because you can also, the service is very good at asking you the right questions, knowing what type of beer or ale that you may drink at home and recommending ones for you to try. Um, a lot of these microbreweries tasting is free so same with the wine tasting as well they don't actually charge you 
to taste. So, um, but you always end up leaving with a couple of bottles um, with you. Why not? I did, uh, while I was in Victoria, I did a cycling tour of the microbreweries. Oh, gosh, that's... (laughs) It's interesting. It starts off well. (laughs) Don't plan anything for the rest of the day. (laughs) Talk about Victoria, though. Um, Obviously, the the beer is is great. It's a very picturesque uh, place, but I loved Fisherman's Wharf. Um, where you've got the floating houses. Oh yes, and uh, the the colours of the of the houses are unbelievable. You also have the the friendly seals. So if you if you are not one for boats, so you don't want to go out and see some <laughs> wildlife in the sea, and you're in Victoria, go to Fisherman's Wharf. It's a little um, tip, and then then you'll normally not guaranteeing it, but you'll normally see some friendly seals will come up and um, will pop their heads out, and say hello when you're walking around uh, around the area, but I think destination and Victoria is stunning, very walkable. You can either cycle and do your beer tour or what me and my friend did, we walked. Um, They were more sensible and did a little um, microbrewery hopping around, tasting a lot of local um, beers when we were out there on on a trip. So that was, yeah, highly recommend. Like Jane said, always try the local. Um, Ask them if there's anything locally done or anything within... uh, within bc if they don't have anything from the town but the the food and drink is unbelievable so yeah, while so you I, yeah can i just ask a quick question matthew did you go to canoe bar when you were in victoria um i can't remember it's a bit of a i'm gonna say it was a bit of a, a blur, blur. It, wasn't, it, it wasn't a bit of a blur because of um the drink is we flew out and went straight from the uk to victoria um which was probably the shortest flight I've ever been on and again I almost fell asleep but didn't because it was that short um landed so we were there for only two nights but we're still trying to get used to um acclimatize so it was a bit of a blur of where we went because we're just getting uh used to the time zones but I did I'm gonna say it probably did yeah, it's pretty, it's very well known. It's got a great microbrewery on site. You can get the Aqua bus there. So you can, if you're lucky, you'll see the seals um, popping up. But it's about 15 minutes walk um, from the downtown area of Victoria. And it's definitely worth a place to go and visit. Great food as well if you like sharing platters. Um, so lots of choice. So, I mean, I, I flew to Vancouver and then hopped on the probably the same flight Matthew mentioned, the uh, really short flight across to Victoria. Great way of getting there. There's also a great ferry that goes from Victoria to Vancouver. I've done that. It is an amazing trip. It is. Uh, I highly recommend you just do it one way. Yep. Um, and do it, try and get what uh, during either the morning, I'd say probably the morning because it depending on what time of year you go and the, the water may get a little bit rougher as it goes later into the day. But also you want to do it during daylight because you're going through all these little islands, which technically some of it is you'll be able to see America. Um, a lot of the islands there are actually American territory, um, but it is unbelievable. You see these houses on it, but highly recommend that journey. It's about four hours of a ferry ride. Um, yeah, grab a coffee, not- wrap up warm and sit up on deck. Yeah, and if you're not driving... <laughs> You're not driving public transport. That's very good. We jumped on um, a bus from Victoria up to the ferry. Um, and then once we arrived um, just south of downtown Vancouver, we got on a bus to um, then get on the uh, motor, uh, the metro lines 
by the moat, but um, the train which then dropped us downtown and we could walk to our hotel. So it was very easy and smooth and we got amazing views um, on the journey back. So highly recommend that as well. See, with the BC ferries, you can also um, travel driving on with your car. But if you are going as a foot passenger, um, what we tend to do is book you with Pacific Coach Lines. So they will pick you up from your hotel and then drive you to Twazen, which is the ferry port. And then it's a 90-minute sailing over to Victoria. And then they will drop you off at the bus station, which is right behind the Fairmont Empress Hotel, which is right in the Inner Harbour. So it's a real good door-to-door service for your clients. Um, so we always recommend that they do it that way. And then they don't have to worry about how they'll get on a bus to go here, there and everywhere. It's just all done for them. Um, another option with the float plane. The float plane between Vancouver and Victoria takes 30 minutes. Um, and that's um, if you're just a day tripper, that's a perfect way because then you spend more time in Victoria. So um, Vancouver. I took the ferry from Victoria across to Vancouver and that is one of the coolest cities I think I've ever been to. I loved it. So much culture and such a diverse range of architecture, some amazing hotels. You've got the harbour. You've got so much going on. Um, You can go out to see Stanley Park and so much to do. What, um, I mean, you can spend your entire time there, I'd imagine, but Jane, I'm guessing you've been there and what would be your top recommendations for... um, Victoria. Um, for Victoria, my top fact, sorry, Vancouver. Vancouver. Vancouver um, Stanley Park. Yeah. I can actually spend a week in Stanley Park. I'm a I'm a walker and I'm a cyclist too. So on every time I go to Vancouver, I will always walk around the seawall, which is about seven k. And on another day, I would also cycle it. Um, when I take the bike into Stanley Park, I also visit the Vancouver Aquarium. Um, which you can spend that. If you want to go there, I would say probably not go first thing in the morning because you have a lot of um, local children and school groups. Um, it's a very educational. It's about educating the children on marine life, um, also plastic waste. Um, so you do get a lot of groups in the morning. So I always tend to go in the afternoon. You've got a big swimming pool in Stanley Park, a big outdoor pool. You've got a big children's um, zone. Lots of different cycle and hiking trails that you can follow. They're all well signposted. And the views around Stanley Park as well is amazing. Um, And that takes you into English Bay. There's a great bar there called Capcus Club. Um, They have quite a few in Vancouver. But that one is my favourite because of the views it gives you of um, English Bay, Third Beach, um, Stanley Park as well. Um, And it's quite a residential area as well. So as you said, architect, you see different types of um, properties just across the road. And if you like to people watch like I do, you see all the runners go past, the rollerbladers, the cyclists. Um, So that is really a great spot. And you're not far from Robson Street, which is where all the shops are. Um, so it's like a 10 minute walk from there on to um, Robson Street. So Vancouver itself is so um, walkable. So Stanley Park's my top number one that I will always visit. The other one is Grouse Mountain, um, which is over the North Shore of Vancouver. Um, so from downtown, you can catch um, a bus or sightseeing bus um, up to Grouse Mountain. And it's home to two orphan bears, Grinder and Caller. Um, 
if anyone has internet at home, I urge you to go on um, Grouse Mountain's website. They have a webcam. The bears are awake. They've just come out of hibernation this week. Um, Grouse Mountain's filled with snow. You'll see they've just popped their heads out, wondering where there's no one around. Um, but there is a small team that's still up Grouse Mountain, making sure the bears are okay. So I do urge you, do go on and have a look. The pictures they've posted up are actually super cute. Um, and for May time, you can actually enjoy breakfast with the bears. So you'll be one of the first people up Grouse Mountain and you're in like a yurt, um, a yurt and you can have breakfast and you're actually overlooking the closure of the bears so you can get to see them. Um, and you actually get um, see them being fed their breakfast too. They are orphan bears. Sadly, their um, mother was um, killed. So they were taken up to Grouse Mountain. It was the first one in BC, the best, best, first bear refuge. There's another one in Kicking Horse, um, just near the border of Alberta. But, yeah, I've been following them this week to see. They're not that active at the moment. They seem to just have their eyes awake and having a bit of a nosy. I know the feeling. So uh, have you been to, is it Capilano Suspension Bridge? Yes, I have. And that's a great experience to do as you're going up to Grouse as well, because you pass Capilano on the way to um, Grouse. It's only a 10 minutes drive between the two. Um, for Capilano, get there early. Um, it can get very busy. It is one of the top attractions, top five attractions to do in Vancouver. So I always say grab your coffee, get on that bus uh, um, kind of place. That's the cruise ship terminal. And go up to Kaplan, so get there for 10 o'clock. And then you can spend at least two, two and a half hours at Capilano. And then you can pop back on the bus and go up to Grouse, see the bears, and then take full advantage of the nice restaurant at the top of Grouse, um, have a spot of lunch and get the great views of downtown. And you mentioned coffee. I've mentioned coffee a few times. Coffee is a bit of a pastime in, in Canada, isn't it? Oh, for sure. There's so many different coffee houses. Um, so you have Second Cup, which is probably their version of Starbucks. There's also lots of local independent um, coffee shops as well. So really try, you know, whatever you see your fancy of, just go and try. They will even give you a sample of their coffee as well if you want to try it. Um, and uh, the, the yeah, big one that I always remember is uh, Tim Hortons. Oh, yeah, they like the Tim... Um, what they call Timbits. Yes. So they're very famous for their donuts and the um, Timbits, which um, one of the not just travel guys actually bought a box of them for us. We demolished quite quickly. Um, so yeah, wherever you go, you always will see a Starbucks and a Timmy. It's known as Timmy's, Timmy Hortons. Um, you will never be far from one of them in Vancouver. And, and you mentioned uh, Canada Place, which is where when I was in Vancouver, a great experience is of doing Flyover Canada, um, which I highly recommend as well. And there's also the cruise terminal for anyone who potentially is doing a cruise from Canada up to Alaska and, and back. Yeah, it's a great um, Canada place. You've also got the Olympic torch is there. Uh, it's also the start of the walkway to Cole Harbour into Stanley Park. So for clients that like to walk, um, that's a great starting point. You can just follow the coast into Stanley Park and out through English Bay. Um, the cruise ships, you'll start, um, see they're now cancelled at the moment, but they will start their sailings from Maytime. 
So if you're staying at the Fairmont Waterfront, if you're up early in the morning in that outdoor pool, you can see the cruise ships come in about 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, it's just so easy to get around. And I always say to people, put on a good pair of trainers and just yeah, go and explore. Jane, that sounds great. So you spoke about um, like ferries and fly drives. Now, there is a particular train that I am really super keen to go on the Rocky Mountaineer. Have you been on it? I have been on it a few times. Um, I sound one of those jammy Canadians now. Um, yeah, Rocky Mountaineer um, operates seasonal. So it normally um, starts, obviously this is a slightly different year, um, but normally they start their schedule around about mid-April to mid-October, and it operates during daylight hours. So you will overnight in a hotel, and it operates through Candace West. So it's between um, Banff, Lake Louise, over to Vancouver, or from Jasper over to Vancouver. And it operates vice versa. It's a wonderful way for those clients that don't wish to drive and just like to take the more scenic. Um, it's award-winning train. The service on board is exceptional. Um, there's two different classes. You've got your gold leaf which is the bi-dome. So you sit upstairs and you have the restaurant cart downstairs and the food is all made fresh on the train. So there's a big team. So when I say big team, there's about five chefs. So each carriage has its own dining cart where the chefs prepare all the food. So when you board in the morning, you pick from the menu what you like and it's made fresh for you. Um, unlimited um, food you don't starve that's for sure when you get off that train it literally is like Michelin star food all local produce as well and the other option is silver leaf which is the single dome and you the food is part cooked um, and you still have a choice you have about four different choices so you're given a menu in the morning and you have your meals at your seat the service is the same, whether you're on gold or silver. The difference is, is the food. Very much is the food and gold leaf that you're sitting upstairs and you, for your breakfast and lunch, you sit downstairs. And with that, I know you mentioned that sort of goes from Banff, Jasper, down to Vancouver or vice versa and um, is looks phenomenal. Um, I think it's another, like you mentioned a bit earlier, where we were talking about doing multi-centre in a way where you can combine doing the train journey between somewhere like Vancouver up to Banff, enjoy Banff, and then go down to Calgary. And for me, I would do it to try and add in the Calgary Stampede, which is a world-famous, like, number one rodeo <laughs> in the showcase in the world, where it looks like, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it's, whether you're travelling by train or motorhome or hiring a car, if you're looking to to go to the Calgary Stampede, we say do book at least 10 months out. Uh, many either make the Calgary Stampede their beginning or the end of their trip um, because, obviously, the flight left from Vancouver um, and out of Calgary. But, yeah, the Stampede is where the city literally comes to a halt it's just full on. It actually carries on for about two weeks. There's lots of music, local bands. Um, there's 
lots of seeing do. So um, everyone is wearing cowboy boots, hat. That is very much the staple uniform for that two weeks. Um, all businesses seem to close. They tend to do a little bit of work in the morning and that's it. Um, so it really is that once in a lifetime experience the Calgary Stampede. Um, I would definitely say, you know, if you if you are looking to do it, book it early. Um, accommodation can get quite tight during that time. If you're thinking of hiring a motorhome, um, reserve a campsite in one of the many RV parks um, in around Banff and Calgary. One of the other things that we did in that, while we were in Ca- uh, Calgary, we uh, went to, I'm going to call it an ice hockey game, uh, just for mm-hmm. the benefit of this so everyone knows what I'm talking about, but don't call it ice hockey while you're in Canada. You'll, you'll get a funny <laughs> look. You just call it hockey. Just, there. just hockey. Just hockey. Yeah. Um, that was one of the best things ever. Such a great thing to yeah, do. Yeah, um, when we were in Vancouver, we um, the concierge at the hotel got us some tickets and we went, um, I can never see the puck. I don't know if I'm the only one, but the puck moves so fast. Um, and I think at one time when you watch it on TV, they actually put a little light on the puck so you could actually see it. It's quite interesting, ice hockey. Um, it's very stop and start. You know, it's not... I used to watch it Streatham Ice Rink, you know, in South London as a child. Um, but there's plays come on and off. It seems to be quite a heated game. Um, but, yeah, it's good fun. And the fact is, while you're in Canada, just ask at the hotel, your concierge, they have the best contacts. They tend to put little notes up in the hotel. You know, if there's any um, local games happening they'll be able to say they can get tickets for you. We only paid $40 for our tickets. We saw the Canucks, which is a Vancouver local team, um, and we booked the tickets on the day. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to book them in advance. You will be able to buy them um, quite reasonably while you're in Canada. But it is worth going. It's a different, certainly quite a different scene than what i'm used to watching the rugby that's for sure i think i can honestly say i had no idea what was going on but it was great to watch me neither we pretended we knew what was going on um i think at one time we were cheering the opposite the opposition um but yeah you get families um and it was just great fun and she said everyone was super friendly just going to the bar and getting drinks everyone's like oh where are you from they were educating us on the hockey um we didn't feel out of place, even though we didn't know what was going on. Everyone was very friendly and was educating us about what was happening and who was who. So we could literally talk about this, you know, Western Canada for three or four podcasts in a, in a go or just even, you know, pick a city and keep talking about it because there's so much to talk about. But we'll have to sort of come towards wrapping it up. But Jane, obviously you've been a number of times um what if you were sending someone there for the first time what might be a good starting point do you think a good starting point if you're looking at traveling to Candice West is just making sure that you factor in the time um the average length of time is 14 to 17 nights to western Canada um talk to your not just travel agent um a key itinerary that I would always recommend would be flying into Calgary then it's a two-hour transfer to Banff. Spend a good three or four days in Banff. 
then pop over to um, Lake Louise, which is like 40 minutes away. You can either do as that as a day trip or if you wish to overnight at the Fairmont Lake Louise, very famous. Um, you can wake up and just see that emerald um, lake. Then travel up the Icefall Parkway up to Jasper and spend at least two nights in Jasper. Whether you're looking at hiring a car, if you want to jump on the Rocky Mountaineer, I would recommend doing the train that takes the rainforest to Gold Rush, takes you through Canal to Whistler. Spend a couple of nights in Whistler and then travel down back down on the Rocky Mountaineer to Vancouver. Um, that would be my highlight trip for sure. And taking that train that route, you'll see more diverse landscapes and also you're going through the highest peak of the Rockies as well. Coming into Vancouver from Whistler, you go down Hound Sound, which is absolutely stunning. Um, it's one of the most scenic places in the world, so I definitely recommend that. And then if people want to go, then you can take part in um, Alaska, go up to Alaska. That would be another seven days. Or maybe hop over to um, Vancouver Island on a float plane, go over to Western Canada. So there's a lot to do. when um, Most people do a lot of research when they're going over to Canada. They kind of know what to do, but you always need help in making sure that you're not rushed. That's the key thing. Do not rush the trip because you don't want to come back. I think, I wish I spent longer there or we should have gone here. We didn't factor that in. So always speak to your travel agent. It's very important. They are the experts and they're the ones that can put together that once in a lifetime trip for you. Thank you, Jane. It's like you're on message today. It's fantastic. <laughs> Well, I just know myself. I holiday as well in Canada. You know, I took my sister just last year to Vancouver for a week and I was the tour guide. And I speak to people when I'm there. I speak to British people and say, oh, how did you book your trip? And, you know, and, and I say, oh, well, we decided we'd do one night here, one night here, one night here. And we felt so rushed. And now speaking to other people, we wish we'd done this. So, you know, speak to your travel agent. And let them put together the itinerary for you. You know, take your time planning it because, you know, to see the bears and see the whales and consume the wine, they even juice gin and see the rockies. You don't want to miss any of that. You really don't. So um, it's always best to research, speak to your travel agent, um, and you'll have the most amazing time. You really will, and you will want to go back and explore other parts of Canada too. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Jane. And Matthew, you've been a number of times before. Any top tips from you? I'd sort of, uh, you know, say the same as Jane, really, in the fact that put down what you really want to go for because there is so much to do. You potentially may not be able to do it all in one go. So if you've only got a set amount of time to be able to go, highlight what you really want to see and then work towards getting all of that in a, um, but not being rushed. Um, unfortunately enough, I've been quite. I've been a few times, so I've gone back, and each time I've gone back and done something different. So, for instance, I'd go back and I'd go to Vancouver Island and explore that more. You know, I've done Vancouver a few times now. I've done skiing. Um, I'll do. Van I'd probably go Vancouver Island and then go up into um, northern um, BC, or I'd also look to try and do a road trip between Alberta and get on the Rocky Mountaineer and really get into that stampede. But highlight what you want to do and then work that way because what I've just said, what my idea is, I won't be able to do that in one trip. So I'll have to narrow it down and make that decision. 
And Jules, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, you don't know I'm going to ask this, but what have you learned from today, having never been to um, Western Canada before? What's your takeaway from this? Yeah, it's been so insightful. Thank you, guys. And I can really tell by the way that all of you speak about your own personal experiences and, and journeys that it's a really exciting place to go and visit. Um, I didn't know about all the um, different wildlife and all the different ways that you could get around. So, yeah, it's been really educational. So thank you so much. And I'm super excited to get my own itinerary together now. Brilliant. Thank you, Jules. So thank you, Jane, for joining us today. You've been awesome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You are welcome. So if you're listening to today's podcast, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on your chosen podcast app, uh, iTunes or whichever one you're using, because it helps share the word and lets everyone know what we're doing. So leave us a five-star review. We'd be very grateful. That's it for today. And hopefully you'll join us for another episode soon. The Travel Podcast is sponsored by Not Just Travel, where it's not just travel, it's a way of life. We hope you liked this podcast. And if you did, please tell your friends, but also take a moment to rate us on iTunes as it helps spread the word. Thanks for listening.